Welcome to Perfection Nevada, population 14. Home of handyman Valentine McKee and Earl Bass, general store owner Walter Chang, and doomsday preppers Bert Gummer and his wife Heather, just to name a few. It's also home to a new race of giant man-eating worms the townsfolk have dubbed Graboids. And it's only a matter of time before the Graboids consume the residents of perfection in the 1990 horror comedy Tremors. I'm Connor Azagari. I'm Caleb Boucher. And this is Filmgasm. Happy Wednesday, and welcome to the 145th episode of the Filmgasm podcast. Hard to believe. We're five away from 150 episodes. This is insane. (laughs) Ah. Who would have thought when I first saw the website? (laughs) (coughs) Today's episode is all about giant worms as we dive into tremors. And uh, this one's a favorite of yours. Why'd you, uh, why now to pick this for the show? Uh, Because I just got a nice 4K uh, Blu-ray of it that I was like, oh, hey, we haven't done Tremors. And I love this movie. I've loved it since I was a kid. So that's why. Just because I finally got got it on 4K. It's a good reason. It's the best reason. Uh, I'm glad you picked it because this is a film I hadn't seen since I was a kid. And I, I, it holds up. It's really funny. It's entertaining. It's a, it's a good movie. Yeah, it... Uh... I mean, I saw this first time I saw this was when I was a kid, late 90s on the Sci-Fi channel, back when it was actually spelled Sci-Fi, not whatever the fuck they're spelling it now. <laughs> and since then, I fell in love. Like, I really fell in love with this movie and just found the monsters and the characters and everything about it. It's just so inviting, so much fun. And it's been a favorite of mine since then. It's so great. Bring, it puts a smile on my face every time I watch it. Yeah, it's certainly understandable, you know, why. <coughs> Seems, you know, the good, you, you had mentioned before we started recording, this is a, it's a good gateway horror film. It's not too freaky, and it's just, like, in that sweet spot that somebody who's not all that into horror could maybe get into this. Yeah, it has a really perfect balance of, like, comedy and actually interesting characters that, yeah, this is, and because, obviously, the rating, I understand it was originally filmed as an R-rated film, and the serial went in and took out the uh, F-bombs. I know some, obviously you can make the argument that it would have been a better film, but I think it works the way it does in that it is a gateway film. It, it, and it adds to the tone. So it has a very fun tone. So I think that ma- making it PG-13 makes it to me more accessible. And it is something that, again, we don't get a lot of gateway films, much less ones really like this. You know, most times there's something like me, Cuse Pumps, I tend to gear way more towards kids. Whereas this has a nice sweet spot for both um, kids and adults. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but it does have, you know, just enough adult-oriented humor and language to, you know, pop. And yeah. Uh, it's, it's a fun movie, at the very yeah. least. This is a very entertaining movie. It's the closest I think we'll ever see to a Jaws on land kind of movie. Yeah, like it's you could make the argument it's like the best Jaws ripoff, like kind of, yeah. <laughs> it it works, and you know, like we'll get into it as we go on, but it just it really works, and it's something that the numerous sequels have yet to obviously tap. Um, and I, it really bugs me we haven't we never got that TV show that you know Kevin Bacon was actually down to do because I think if anyone knows their Tremors history. He initially, when it first came out, thought this was a terrible career move for him. He was really sad about it. And in more recent years, he's come around big time on it and actually considers it one of the best films he's done. That He's had a lot of fun. He had a lot of fun when he shot it. And he's been wanting to go back to that ward. And it bugs me that we finally got him back on board, but we can't get a fucking TV show or movie with him involved off the ground. It's really annoying. Do you think that this is uh, prime pickings, at least in studio's eyes for a full-blown reboot? Possibly. I mean, it's been and it's been stuck in direct-to-sequel, uh, or sorry, direct-to-video sequel territory for a while now. Um, and I, I literally just watched the newest one before this recording. Um, but the way that one ends, I would not be surprised if maybe one day it gets talked about in repeat terms or they find a way to do, like, 
you know, the Halloween 20 thing, right? Sequel, you know, everything from two onward, right? And just make a sequel that brings back Kevin Bacon's character. It could work. It's done, you know, it's worked in the past. Yeah. And yeah. Will House was the one that was working on the show. So clearly they have some interest in it. Maybe they'd be interested in doing the movie now. Perhaps. So the idea for Tremors came about in the early 80s when the film's writers, S.S. Wilson and Brent Maddock, were filmmakers working for the U.S. Navy. They were doing educational safety videos. And uh, one time while filming, they climbed onto a giant boulder and thought, what if there was something down there that wouldn't let us go? What if we were trapped here by something? And that idea just kept, you know, turning around in their head. So they turned it into a movie idea that they called Land Sharks. <laughs> they, uh, they told their friend, Ron Underwood, who was a documentarian for National Geographic at the time, and he helped them develop these land sharks into realistic creatures that could potentially exist. He had a zoology degree, so he helped them turn these into legitimate creatures. And uh, all three of them would stay on and turn this whole thing into tremors. So kind of neat. Two U.S. Navy filmmakers and a zoological documentarian made Tremors. Wow, that is awesome. <laughs> Oddly fitting because I'm in the Navy now. Of course, it's one of my favorite movies. <laughs> it's just, I love hearing about the stories of how films like this came about, where the idea popped into someone's head. Because every film, regardless of genre, it happened at one point as an idea in somebody's head. No, just a random idea. I love finding out how that idea festered and grew and they shared it with somebody else. And then that guy had an idea and then it just evolved into this <coughs> horror comedy about worms in the Nevada desert. Yeah. No, I, I'm, I, know. I am so glad that they did not let that idea die. And <laughs> based, like, off, yeah. based off the reception in the horror community, a lot, I think a lot of people are grateful. This is very beloved from the horror community. Yeah, and all from just like, you're standing on a rock and you're like, what if I couldn't get off this rock? <laughs> that's, that's where it all started. <laughs> Seven movies and two veiled TV shows from what if I can't get off this rock? <laughs> that's insane to me. <laughs> uh, so Ron Underwood would only direct the first Tremors, uh, but he would also direct such films as City Slickers, Mighty Joe Young, and The Adventures of Pluto Nash, before transitioning into directing television. And I think we all know why. <laughs> um, but he's directed some big, like he's directed episodes of Once Upon a Time, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So he's been, he's had his hands in some big shows, but I don't, after Pluto Nash, there, there weren't a lot of film opportunities anymore. Yeah, that's understandable. But, um, yeah. but as a director, you know, for Tremors, I think he did a good job. Yeah, he did, you know, he really, he, he did a good job balancing, again, the comedy and the horror and doing what I think a horror film does best, taking the time to show the creatures. He did a really good job with that, so. Yeah, no doubt inspired by Jaws. It's yeah. very, very clearly, you know, it's instead of the ocean, it's the desert, but you see this, you know, the moving sand and then you get the, like the tongue and then you get the full creature and that was a smart yeah it's very smart and i think the idea of making it a very small town like population 14 also was a smart move because then it's like there's no question of like how oh how can they get out of this if they can just drive away it's like no they're literally cut off to begin with well that was one of my like one of my nitpicks when i was watching the movie i'm like where the hell is everybody else in this town is there like only like 10 people living here and then i looked into it and like yeah there's, there's 14 people living in this town. It's a drive-through town in Nevada. <laughs> and I've been through some drive-through towns, and I'm like, yeah, there's probably like 10 people living here. Makes sense. <laughs> yeah, like literally everyone knows everyone. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's hilarious. Uh, Kevin Bacon stars as handyman Val McKee. Bacon is a highly successful character actor who has popped up in film since the late 70s. If you don't know who Kevin Bacon is, I don't know what you've been doing with your life. <laughs> like why are you listening to a movie podcast if you've never heard of kevin bacon <laughs> do your homework that's yeah 
So some of the actors I can excuse, like, yeah, it's understandable you haven't heard of him, but Kevin Bacon's been in like every fourth movie since 1978. Okay, there's a reason that's the whole six degrees of bacon. There's yeah. a reason why he exists. <laughs> Here's just a few of his career highlights. Footloose, Mystic River, Friday the 13th, Flatliners, JFK, A Few Good Men, Apollo 13, Cop Car, and X-Men First Class. And that is barely covering his filmography. So that's just a little bit. Yeah. Just a um, and you know what? I'll say it here. This is my favorite role of his. To really? this, this is one hands down my favorite role of his. <laughs> yeah, I get that. <laughs> I've got a soft spot for X-Men. He's really good in X-Men. Like for playing a villain type, I was impressed. Yeah, straight up. And he's also set to play the bad guy in the Toxic Avenger remake, if you all have been following this podcast, and it's just back and forth information with Toxic Avenger. Mainly on Elijah Wood, I believe. Yeah. That was the one that was so back and forth. I think he got reported early and then they didn't bother to take it back. Yeah. Like, confirmed finally. <laughs> he's in it. No, he isn't. He is, but he's not the bad guy. And it's Kevin Bacon. It was just every week something different. That was so irritating. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh. yeah. So Kevin Bacon's great as Val and yeah I 1990 I can see him thinking this was maybe a, a misstep you know like should I be doing this I'm in a movie about big worms you know I but then five years later you know you're working with Tom Hanks in one of his most successful movies so you know turns around like what's the term something and roundabouts I don't know shit works out <laughs> yeah yeah I mean I can look I can definitely see as like an actor um, who at that time he'd broken out of being in a lot of horror films that he had been in that marked a lot of his early career. Yeah. And then you turn around and do something like Tremors, where, yeah, he's the lead. He's one of the two leads. But, uh, you know, it's, yeah, it's a giant warm movie. So he's, as a young, you know, he had, a, he had to be like in his maybe late 20s, early 30s when he took this movie. So I can see where, yeah, he would have that moment of like, what did I just do? This might be a messed up, probably worse than I made. But then, obviously, you know, some years removed, seeing how it's become this big cult classic and fans adore it. And being like, no, this was actually like a really smart move on my part to take this movie. Oh. True. Um, let's talk Fred Ward. Fred Ward is Val's partner, Earl Bass. Ward is another longtime character actor with a colorful, uh, colorful resume. Some of his career highlights include Escape from Alcatraz, Southern Comfort, Silkwood, the right stuff, shortcuts, the Naked Gun three, and Remo Williams. The adventure begins. He would play Earl Bass again in Tremors two. Uh, to me, I've always known this guy as Rocco Dillon in the Naked Gun three, just the bomb maker villain who's going to blow up the Academy Awards. <laughs> it's really stupid, but those movies make me laugh. I love them. Yeah, they're funny. That's back when the people knew how to make parody movies. Uh... You know what? Again, I really like Fred Ward. I think he was actually also a villain in one of the Crow sequels, I believe. I would have to look it up. I'm pretty sure I saw him pop up in like a sequel to like the Crow. I think it was like the third or fourth movie. Um, but again, this is for me because I saw this so early. This is my his most recognizable role to me. Like this is how I knew him. So it's also my favorite role of his. And it has a lot to do with like them. Him with that being said about both him and Bacon, it has a lot to do with them individually in this movie i think they're just really great characters and the, they both do a fantastic job yeah. they are also fantastic together like they share just great chemistry you believe that these are two guys that have worked together for a while you know like you you believe their friendship very much that's true their chemistry really helps make this film work uh, i think all the characters do like i think you know if you didn't have the well-written characters this film would just be big worms taking out rednecks <laughs> and you need more than that to become a cult classic yeah you need a little nuance yeah well care uh wasn't fred ward also in corky romano remember that movie yeah and i think he was actually yeah he was the like the consigliere who was the informer i watched that yeah. film fairly recently i i'm ashamed to admit Honestly, I have, I can't, I, like I said, it's funny because I, I want to say I see him pop up in shows and movies like 
to this day all the time. I'm like, oh my God, it's Fred Ward. But then I forget. And it's nothing like against Fred Ward. It's just like, he always does like really quick bit parts that it's like, yeah. I see him I'm like, oh, Fred Ward. And then he's gone. And I'm like, all right, that was cool seeing him. Yeah, he's a that guy. There's, you know, I love that guys. Character actors are the best. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Gross is Burt Gummer, paranoid doomsday prepper. Gross played patriarch Stephen Keaton on Family Ties before appearing in all seven Tremors films thus far, as well as the short-lived 2003 TV series. This dude has gone all in on Tremors for a long time, for over over 20 years. (laughs) Over 30 years, actually. So, why? (laughs) I I don't know, but honestly, like I'll say this much, good on him, because he never... To his credit, having now seen all the movies, he never hams it up. He never looks like he's tired of it or this is just a paycheck. He seems to genuinely care about this franchise and enjoy doing it. And he really seems to enjoy the character. So he usually brings it every single time that he's he's on screen. So to his credit, it is nice to see him keep popping up in these movies because he does bring it every time. Well, it's good to have, you know, a main a mainstay, someone to latch on to to follow throughout this crazy thing. I have only seen the first film. I would at least like to see two, three, and four. I don't know about five through seven. I probably will not check those out. But the first part of this franchise, I wouldn't mind checking out. Um, Finn Carter plays Rhonda LeBeck, graduate student studying earthquakes. Carter has also appeared in such films as Ghosts of Mississippi, Sweet Justice, and How I Got Into College. So not much. Uh, She also appeared in 58 episodes of the soap opera As the World Turns at the beginning of her career. So it was soaps, tremors, a lot of bad movies, and like bit parts in TV. She has not really done a lot. Okay. I've also never recognized her in anything else after this. So she does good in tremors. Like I like her in this, but I, uh, yeah, I don't. She's good. She's good in this. I don't have a lot to say about her role. Her character is... It makes sense. Like, I get it. Yeah. Graduate student studying earthquakes. Okay. But that's kind of it. You know, there's not really a lot of, uh, like, background or anything to really latch on to there. But that's kind of the case with everybody here. Yeah. Well, and I I think, like, at least with, like, the townspeople, they have a, a characteristic that really makes them stick out. You know what I mean? Like you have this the snotty fucking teenage boy saying he's obsessed with like saving money or just making every goddamn bit of that money count. Like they all have like some kind of quirk that you can latch on to. And she's I'm not saying she's terrible, but she is like she's yeah, she's just the col- the newest college student that is studying earthquakes. What I thought was cool is that I felt all the townsfolk had this sort of natural chemistry. Like it just I believe that they knew they've known each other for years. Like there was something about that. They all had that. And she naturally didn't, but that made sense for the character. She just, yeah, got it. It, it works in the movie. Cause yeah, she's supposed to be like the brand new college student, like the other one graduated or whatever the, the quick throwaway line was. Yeah. And she's the one that is now in his place. I love Kevin Vegas. It's like, it could be a girl. And he just takes off <laughs> in that direction. Like Jesus Christ. But when there's 14 <laughs> people in your town, I get it. Yeah. And it looks like you don't have a lot of pickings. Anybody <laughs> new is going to be big news. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you're a young guy in a town of a uh, population of 14, because, again, it is portrayed as, like, biggest character being the young buck and Fred Ward's is the older guy. Yeah, it would make sense he'd lose his shit when it's a, when it's a female. <laughs> I love that he had, like, very specific criteria. Like, dude, you should be happy to meet anybody. <laughs> She must have blonde hair, legs that don't quit. Like, he, yeah, his whole thing. <laughs> World-class breasts. Like just completely insane. I love it when he sees her, he's like, oh, <laughs> Like, visibly deflated. Like, and you see, he's like, gorgeous, Fred, you asshole. And you see Fred Ward's, like, smirk on his face. <laughs> oh, funny. Uh, and finally, country music superstar Reba McIntyre plays Heather Gummer, Burt's wife. Outside of her music career, which is 
fucking substantial. She's she's Reba McIntyre. She's I'm about to say she is country royalty. She rivals Dolly Parton as the queen of country music. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. I'm not a big country fan, but I will not de- deny her legacy and her place in that genre of music. Same. So apart from her music career, she's had a pretty interesting acting career as well. She appeared in such films as The Little Rascals, One Night at McCool's, Charlotte's Web, Spies in Disguise, and recently Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. Uh, She also starred in her own successful sitcom called Reba that ran from 2001 to 2007. So you don't see that a lot. You don't see like hardcore, super successful musicians like get a sitcom. (laughs) Yeah. And you know what? I, I, I'll admit it on the show, uh, I actually did watch that sitcom. My mom was a fan of it, so I caught episodes. And it honestly was not bad. It made me laugh a lot. Like, it was <laughs> better than I thought it was going to be. Um, so, yeah, I, you, you heard it from me. I actually liked the Reba show. It was funny. And never in a million years would have pegged you for a Reba fan. Huh. Learned, learned something new every day. Nope, I was a fan. I, I thought it was a funny show. Cool. Um, Tremors has an IMDb score of 7.1 Rotten Tomatoes score of 86% It was a box office bomb Grossing only 16 million On a budget of 10 million Still, it spawned a franchise that consists Of seven films and two failed TV shows And it's been reclaimed as a cult favorite So, people love Tremors They didn't at the time, but they do now So let's talk a bit about this film Uh, One thing that's always bugged me and I don't really understand why they did this. The monster on the poster does not resemble the monster in the film in the slightest. Yeah, it's I, like I like the poster, but yeah, it doesn't resemble. It's almost like they just want to do a quick Jaws whip off, which I don't necessarily think they're trying to rip it off. Because again, if you look at the tone of the movie, it's a very playful movie. So I don't think the idea was let's rip it off, but let's have, like, have, have fun with this concept yeah. of what we're doing. And that could have been what they were doing with the poster. They were like, let's have fun with the poster and show people what they're in store for. So I know, like, in all fairness, this is kind of a common thing with horror, unfortunately. For some reason, right, people love comedy. People love horror. They're, and they're really two genres that go hand in hand as far as, like, what they are. But for some reason, when you put them together, like, the general audience just does not click like people just don't see it i mean look at like uh not just trimmers but like a more a more recent time we're talking on devil versus evil if unless you're a horror fan i don't see anyone talking about that damn movie like it's so weird that's when you put horror and comedy it's like people are just forget that it's okay to laugh that's something that's intentionally meant to be funny and they just don't bother and i'm sure the post was probably meant to do that like the post was probably intentionally made that way to sell what they're trying to give you yeah but still there's no big tooth big tooth monster and i would have liked the big tooth monster it's like if the jaws poster had a fucking crocodile on it <laughs> like, i think there was a massive one in the most recent movie i think it was huge <laughs> whatever it's just it's a little nitpick but it's just something that's bugged me since i was a kid because i'm like i watched the movie and i'm like that that's not the right. Those don't match. And ever since then, I have had no platform to say that, and now I do. <laughs> well, I'm glad you do, but it has not bugged me like it has you. <laughs> um, I like when they find Fred's head, and they immediately just start freaking out. Kevin Bates is like, what the hell is going on? He's like, it's completely, it's about to snap, like, really <laughs> quickly. Like when they try to pass the construction trucks after that, and without like trying to be calm, they're like, You gotta get out of here. There's a crazy killer coming heads off. You gotta get out of here. Yeah, they don't explain shit, they just take off. Yeah. <laughs> God. Uh, I, I, I say they have a lot of great lines. I was about to say, real quick, like, again, I want to go back to like their chemistry real quick, Kevin Bacon yeah. and Fred Woods, because I wrote down some of their lines, like, uh, at the very beginning. For some reason, the way Bacon delivered the line, but he's like, handy man, or we're handy men. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, his delivery is great. Like, he's he's at this, like, he's not too hammy, but he's, he's just hammy enough. 
Yeah, and the way that you make digs at each other are just so fucking funny throughout the movie. <laughs> um, I love when they find the car buried in the sand, like, vertically, and they just freak the fuck out <laughs> and just bolt and are like, we gotta get out of here. We gotta get out of here. <laughs> There's no... It just transitions to them on the horse. It's like, the fuck? <laughs> I, love, <laughs> I love when all that shit happens and they go back to the town they're like, we picked the wrong fucking day to go to big to Bigsby. <laughs> this is the disappointment of like we were out. We were out. <laughs> I like when like when the, the road is out, Fred Ward's just like, is there some divine power at work here? <laughs> he just can't believe it. <laughs> Before that, they were happy. Remember, she's like, I got free beer. And you think they're going to accept it? And they're like, oh, we denied free beer. <laughs> The Lord tempted us and we said no. <laughs> and then finally, when they do take on the first graboid and it like just bangs into the fucking rock and dies, I was immediately like, wow. Which quickly yeah. leads to my favorite line in the entire movie. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> the delivery is so good every time. <laughs> I have it in my notes here with, th- with four U's. Is that that's how much it was? <laughs> um, I don't know why this made me laugh, but when they're examining the creature and Kevin Bacon just goes, "I found the ass end." <laughs> I don't know why that made me laugh so hard, but it did. I like when, like the scientist lady is trying to uh, figure out what's going on, and they're talking about how to haul it out. Like, oh, get the winch! No, no, it'll tear the winch up. We gotta get like a, a crane. <laughs> <laughs> I love that uh, Walter has like started. He set up a booth to take pictures with the snake creature. <laughs> He's charging Walter, three bucks a pop. Walter cracks me up in the movie because it makes so many jokes about his his money fixation. Like Walter, the damn phone doesn't work. It costs money. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you know the him not getting the generator fixed ended up costing him his fucking life. Oh yeah, yeah. Can't be yeah. Can't be uh. A penny pincher. <laughs> there was a, my favorite moment. Uh, it's when um, Earl trips and dips into a prairie dog burrow and just screams. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the most exaggerated scream for a fucking prairie dog burrow, and it's great. <laughs> oh, great stuff. Um. There was something weird. The music during the pole vault scene was so like out of tone with the rest of everything. Like the rest of the film is so like adventurous. It felt like, you know, fucking Stuart Little. It was, oh, yeah. It was odd, but I don't know. It kind of worked. It, it worked. I did like when they're doing that pole vaulting scene and Fred Ward's like, get ready to go. And he just fucking falls back. <laughs> I like that our two heroes are kind of fuck-ups. Yeah. I, it, they're fuck-ups, but the town relies on them. Like, when they have to, the horses, right? When they're like, who's the best two we can get to ride horses? And they all just look at them. And their fucking look back at them is great. Like, really? Again? <laughs> I love that Bert and his wife are, like, out of the loop for most of the movie. Like, and then they, 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 when they finally call them, like, ev- so much shit has happened and they're just completely not caught up. Yeah, you have to say over. <laughs> Bert, are you there? Over. <laughs> I thought the scene where Walter got eaten, it looked and it felt so much like when Quint got eaten in Jaws. Yeah, I saw that there was a, a little, like, IMDb trivia on that. So I don't know if that was like, maybe like a homage that they were paying. Because, yeah, it did feel a lot like that. Like they Probably was. Respecting uh, Jaws a little bit. Because as we found out, this was conceived as a land shark movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, <sighs> land shark. <laughs> Funny. Uh, I like when they all end up on the roof and this thing just starts testing the foundations of all the buildings. Yeah, I, that was like the next thing I really want to bring up. When it comes to uh, the monsters, I, I commented on my review. I think the Graboids are some of the most underappreciated uh, 
monsters in horror because no. if you watch this movie and you pay attention they are incredibly smart if you pay attention they actually all get killed in a different way because they adapt they figure out okay don't do that yeah do something different well you know it's hinted that these things are like billions of years old they predate the fossil record that these things have survived so long because they're you know stealthy and they keep to themselves and they adapt and they learn and i don't know if the fran- if the franchise goes further into that at any time but at least in the first film that makes sense and i like that because it's yeah it just worked there's so many little nods to jaws in this <laughs> it's really i can't stop bringing it up <laughs> yeah but i mean again it works and and then going back to like, you know, I know we just talked about a lot of the more funny moments, but like talking about the horror before we get to the, the climax, like a lot of the scenes that like show them attacking people, like when the, the sheep farmer gets pulled in and then the, uh, the the doctor and his wife, those scenes to this day, I remember those really stuck to me as Ken, they still stick out to me. Like they're actually like generally horrific scenes. Like they do a really good job of like dialing down the comedy immediately. Yeah. And yeah. going straight into horror on those scenes. Good balance. Um, the scene where they're all on the roofs and the and the worms are testing it reminded me so much of Jaws too, when all the kids are stuck on the raft and the things just circling them. Yeah, it's just waiting. Yeah, creepy. Oh, very creepy. I I actually really like the entire climax of this movie. Like from the moment they're in the town and it attacks, it's a really fun climax. Straight up, I laughed my ass off at Bert and Heather's wall of guns. Like when they just turn around and just start grabbing guns off the fucking wall, already loaded guns off the wall and just start testing this thing. And then Bert grabs the fucking elephant rifle that he has, like giant, you know, eight inch bullets, <laughs> just blows this thing's brains out. Like, damn, it was awesome. Bert is the, like the fucking G in these movies. He is so ready to take on these graboids. Well, woman Earl's just like, I guess we can't make fun of his lifestyle anymore, can we? <laughs> the doomsday prepper with a shit ton of weapons. Yeah, that's the guy I would rally behind in this situation. Uh, yeah, I like how they had to get the fucking radio at first and they're just like dangling Kevin Bacon <laughs> above the window. Yeah. I love, it. my favorite line in the movie was, after Bert kills the worm that comes through his his uh, rec room, and he goes, broke into the wrong goddamn rec room, didn't you, ba- you bastard? Like, just, like, so, like, yeah! <laughs> I, like when, I like when they're back on the roof, and he keeps shooting at the crown, and she's like, will you stop doing that? <laughs> I just, that giant-ass gun is so ridiculous. Oh, it gets more ridiculous in the fourth movie. Oh, Jesus. Oh, it, it comes back. Elephant gun comes back. Is that why it was behind glass? Is that an <laughs> antique in the family? Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is insane. This giant worms. It's amazing what people latch onto and you know need more of when it comes to films. <laughs> more graboids. Graboids. Uh, uh yeah but uh there's a lot of cool moments too again with that horror like uh when you talk about they're testing their foundation i don't know why it always freaked me out as a kid the guy that's on nestor that's on his damn trailer and it knocks it over and his idea is to get on a tire and oh, it just like grabs him from the fucking tire yeah and you can still hear him screaming in the ground i don't know why as a kid that was like the scene that actually like kind of freaked me out a little bit they were getting pulled under and you're still alive getting dragged underground yeah that was freaky I was really hoping fucking what was it Melvin would would get his, but yeah, they they really portray that kid as like a, just a brat because no one likes that kid. They're all like Melvin, I want to fucking kill you. I love that Bert gives him an empty gun. Give me an empty gun, you asshole! Made you move your ass in it. <laughs> Jeez, it's ridiculous. Oh. Um, yeah, in the end, when they finally take these things out, you know, I love how many fucking pipe bombs Bert had just on hand. Like, he was just, like, building them like somebody makes a fucking lunch. It was great. 
Yeah, he's like so fucking prepared for this. <laughs> and then, you know, Kevin Bacon's plan to get the one to like, fly, you know, fly out the side of the mountain or the cliff. That was cool. That thing that exploded. Was a- Kevin Bacon has some really cool, like, tense moments with that. And then, like, the scene when he goes to get the tractor, and he has to stop. And he's, like, moving his one foot so it doesn't touch him. Mm. It's a legit, like, really tense scene. Because you're like, no, not Kevin Bacon. I can't lose you in a horror movie. <laughs> well, I love that he, you know, elbows Earl in the belly so he doesn't, so he can't go. He takes his spot. Yeah. Like, that's friendship right there. Yeah, true French artists play their damn game of rock, paper, scissors to decide everything. <laughs> they have to decide. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, this isn't this is a fun, it's a fun watch. If I ever see this like out and about, I'll probably pick it up. Yeah, it, it it's like I said, man, this has been a movie I've enjoyed since I was a kid. And it really just bring, brings me joy every time. I mean, the, the characters are great. It's it's funny as hell. Kevin Bacon and Fred Ward have amazing chemistry together. Um, Michael Gross is also great. It's very, I, it's very clear why he kind of stuck around, and thank God he kept committing to the character at least. Um, and yeah, it's that perfect blend of comedy and horror. I'm very happy to have it. So if I do ever have family, this can be something that can be like a family horror film that shouldn't terrify people too much, the kids too much, and you can still have a lot of fun with it. My family's going to have to just deal with Hellraiser at a young age because I'm not raising any quitters. No, I'm just kidding. I would never do that. <laughs> I, was like, I know you. You would never do that. I would do something like that to fuck with my children. I would never do what my mom did and show me Hellraiser at a young age. <laughs> See, I would. I am that guy. <laughs> oh. So let's get into some filmgasm facts for Tremors. There's, a, there's actually a lot of interesting trivia about this one. Uh, number one, Kevin Bacon would later call the filming of Tremors, quote, the single most fun time I've ever had making a movie in my entire career. Damn. Not bad for a movie he thought was going to be a huge mistake. <laughs> yeah. So I'm glad you said a turnaround. I'm just mad that apparently this film sci-fi channel of all fucking things passed that up and said no nah, we don't want to do it we got chucky coming out eventually i give that show 15 episodes and not because of the quality of the show i don't i have all faith in brad Dourif and don mancini i have no faith in sci-fi channel that's that's how i feel like for some reason i've i've noticed like sci-fi and cw like the two networks that i've wondered how they stay around and like some people know, I do watch a lot of the Arrowverse shows, so like I'm aware of what I'm saying because I do watch a lot of stuff on CW. But I'm talking about like the fact that it seems like every new show that gets brought their way, they fucking pass on it to the point that CW's advertising shows that have been out, they just grabbed it themselves to air on their channel. Like uh, Wellington Paranormal, the yeah, it's been on for three seasons, but they're advertising it like it's a brand new show for their channel. Yeah. I'm like, maybe if you guys stop doing that and focus on your new shit, you won't have to like pass on everything. What bugs me with CW is that apart from Supernatural, every single show they've ever done is exactly the fucking same. It's just a different coat of paint on a on a melodrama. <laughs> and, you know, all the superhero shows, fucking Riverdale, it's all the same shit. Well, I know they've been having ratings issues with the Arrowverse, and a lot of people say it's just because the the sheer amount of shows they have committed to that. And I mean, it's not like you when you watch like you know Marvel, it's like six episodes, right? It's like you're talking like four. They're still going by old TV standard, you know, amount of episodes. So that's a lot for people to really get into. But like I say, I have like I'm noticing like any spinoffs I've been getting proposed for that universe have gotten canceled, um, and a lot of the mainstays are going away. Like uh, they've already said well in advance, Supergirl season's coming to an end after this one's over. And our show Warren's come to an end. And Black Lightning just was supposed to be a fourth season, but then like right when out, they turned around and said, and it will be its final season. So it's almost like they're they're cleaning house with their airing shows, also. Not a good plan when you can't bring anything new to the table. Yeah. Like, they're you know, their most recent like new success, maybe Superman and Lois. 
but I think it is. I mean, I've, I've been watching. I think it's pretty good, but who knows how long that's going to last now. I saw part of an episode at a pizza joint. I was not impressed. Whatever. Not my thing anymore. I put way too much time to all that shit. I wouldn't be surprised if everything gets canceled but that and somehow... <laughs> Just like they had Smallville, they'll have they'll end with fucking Superman and Lois. <laughs> Maybe. Number two, although Tremors was not a big hit during its theatrical run, the film became a smash in the home video market and ultimately tripled its original box office gross with VHS sales and rentals. That's cool. Yeah, I I, I know I mentioned a lot how I caught it and loved it, but it was something I remember when I showed my parents. They actually watched it because they were like, oh, Kevin Bacon's in this? And so they were like, oh, let's watch it. And then they fell in love with it. So yeah, it actually was like something I could put on. One of the few horror films I could put on that even my, like, both my parents agreed on and enjoyed watching. So it was like, a, yeah, it was, yeah, it really, like, I can see why it had that kind of, unfortunately, it, you know, I'm sad to bomb the box house because we didn't get more theatrically released sequels per se. No. But I am glad it had a second run and it's become a cult favorite and it's living on to this day. When I told my mom we were doing Tremors on the show, I got the same reaction I get for most of the movies I tell her we're doing on this podcast, which is, oh. <laughs> As in, like, I've heard of that, but have no interest in it whatsoever. <laughs> I get that, you know? It's not for everybody. Such a good movie, though. <laughs> um, number three, Michael Gross was the only star to show up at the 30th anniversary celebration of Tremors uh, in on January 18th and 19th, 2020 in Lone Pine, California, where the film was shot on location. Only Michael Gross showed up to that. <laughs> of course he would. If Tremors is involved, so is Michael Gross. <laughs> uh, I, I'm going to give Bacon the benefit of the doubt that he was maybe working on something when that happened. But it does make me sad that no one else showed up when this has become such a beloved film. Um, but yeah, I mean, at least Michael Gross showed up for the fans, and that's awesome. Well, to be fair, I mean, that was, you know, early days of the pandemic. Starf was starting to get a little iffy. Maybe some people got worried. You know, Bacon was doing that you should have left movie, probably. That's what I said. Like, I'm sure he was probably busy, like legit busy. or Because like I said, in recent years, he's very much had to come around on the movie. So where the hell was Reba? Where was she? <laughs> so whatever she wants to call her Reba Land. I don't know. Does she have a theme park too? No. Oh. Not yet. Maybe not one day. <laughs> I would love if you know there's there's what what's it called? Dollywood? Yeah, Dollywood. And then just like Reba Land on the other side of the country. <laughs> it's the same shit, just like with red hair. I don't know. Red hair, less plastic surgery in her old age. No offense to Dolly Parham, but. Um, number four, the various sounds made by the Graboids have become popular to reuse in other films, including Predator 2, Starship Troopers, Ants, and Kong Skull Island, among others. So the Graboid noise has been recycled into other sci-fi. It's pretty cool. You know yeah, it's, you know what? it's a good noise. And I actually forgot to mention, I actually really like the uh, design of the Graboid, so. I like it. You know what it reminded me of? And I don't think this is an accident. There was a SpongeBob episode called Sandy, SpongeBob, and the Worm, where Sandy and SpongeBob hunted the Alaskan bullworm. Yeah. Yeah. And Sandy, like, wrestled what she thought was the worm, and it was actually its tongue, and the real worm was, like, this huge, giant, like, you know, snake thing. Sandy, what? That's its tongue. <laughs> I think that episode was a total nod to Tremors. It had to be. <laughs> oh, cool. Uh, <laughs> so there were six sequels made. Let's talk about them. So I just want to preface, I have not seen any of these, but you have seen all of these. Yes. Uh, 1996, Tremors 2, Aftershocks. Uh, so I actually have fun memories of this one, too. Um uh, Fred Ward came back for this one, um, and he's actually really – he's still really good in it. Michael Gross comes back, and they're both uh, 
Well, my verse is just in all the sequels, so I'm not going to keep mentioning him. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a really good, uh, to me, a good follow-up that also found it cool that started this whole idea of like them kind of evolving, like the Gravoys can evolve, and they evolve into probably their second best form or whatever the fuck you want to call it, where they just kind of walk around, they hunt you using heat signatures. Oh. Yeah, they hunt by uh, heat signatures. And I, I remember it was a fun movie. I really enjoyed it. It was like a great moment where Bert, thinking it's just underground still, goes out there with his truck of supplies. And you have like a night scene where you see him get attacked and then they cut and you're like, oh, at the time, it's the only sequel, right? You're thinking, oh shit, they, they took killed Bert. He comes back. His truck is destroyed. He is covered in, in uh, graboid guts. And he's just like, I brought all this stuff and now it is destroyed because you did not tell me that they're just out there walking around i was prepared for them to be underground how about next time we tell bert everything (laughs) (laughs) oh boy that's great um 2001 tremors 3 back to perfection so I remember this one being also actually fairly decent. Um, this time they pretty much just went all in on making Michael Gross the star, like the face of the franchise at this point. Um, the And it introduces the third form, which is uh, what they have dubbed as ass blasters. That's what he calls them because they literally fly I blast using their ass to blast into there. And there's just, there's a lot of good moments like when Bert has to get out of his uh, little compound. I remember that being a really good thing. It's like get out as they're like fucking getting in there to attack him. And uh but it also brought in um something that would get really used a lot from here onward that wasn't really obviously not used in the first one, not used too much in the second movie. Um, but CGI started showing up ah. around this time, and we had flying CGI uh, graboids that looked terrible. Well, that's that's terrible to hear. Ass blasters, huh? Ass blasters, <laughs> that's what they call them. Wow. Okay. Glad to see that this franchise isn't taking itself too seriously. No. I mean, that one still has fun with it. 2004, Tremors 4, The Legend Begins. So this one goes back in time, as its title implies. And if you're wondering, oh, Michael Gross is obviously not in this one. You're wrong. He plays an ancestor of his character. Of course. (laughs) And this is the one where the elephant gun comes back, and it's bigger than what you see in the first movie. (laughs) It's it's comically big. And, uh, yeah, it essentially details, like, not necessarily how they came, like, how the Graboids became Graboids, but how they got into the town of perfection, like how they came about to just bug that town. So it kind of explains like that and all that good stuff. And it is actually pretty entertaining. I remember having a really good time with it. Um like any prequel, did I did I need it? No. But did they have just enough fun with that over having Michael Gross play his own ancestor and having nice little callbacks? Yeah, they had fun with it. No. These things attacked the town in like the 1800s. How come there's no town record of them? And they knew about how come they didn't know about them? I the believe, first time? if I recall the ending, they tried hiding it because they thought it was done. So they're like, let's not talk about it. We got uh, them. All right. Nice. That makes sense. Yeah. If I, it's been a while since I've seen, but I believe that's how it ended. 2015, big jump. Tremors 5, Bloodlines. Yeah. At this point, I would argue is when they really seem to stop. You know, they just stopped trying. They didn't know what to do anymore because they, I guess, were tired of staying in, like, the desert, which is kind of, like, to me, like, a part of why these movies work so well. But Bloodlines, if I recall correctly, goes to Australia, and it brings in everyone's favorite actor from uh, Jamie Kennedy. There you go. Ah. <coughs> As Bert's son. Uh, At some point, he had a son. 
So Reba is just completely absent for all of these. Is, is there a new actress playing his wife or did his wife just leave him? No, they just explained that she left him. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I think Reba wasn't interested in doing the sequels, I think is what happened. Could have, um, could have recast or something. Yeah. Maybe not not, the, not saying anything against Reba McIntyre. Maybe not cast a super successful country singer who has a much better career to fall back on to that doesn't need your fucking trimmer sequel. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> maybe not put yourself in that hole. Uh, yeah, this is when like I they went from like at least I could enjoy these direct to video sequels to this is getting dumb. Like there's no more explanation for either in Australia. How the graduates popped up in Australia, they're just there, and it's just weird. Like, I remember there was like one scene where he's on a bridge at night using night vision, and it's like hunting him on the top of the bridge. Like one of the, the walking ones, they call them shriekers. There we go. Hmm. So you can scream basically and communicate by that. So yeah, it it, it is okay. You lost me at Jamie Kennedy. I know. I, I nope. Trust me, when I watched it, I was like, why is Jamie Kennedy in a Tremors movie? 2018 Tremors, a cold <laughs> day in hell. Again, I would say same quality as Bloodline. It's okay. Kennedy's back with Michael Gross. It takes place this time in a research station in Alaska. Yeah, at this point, they're just like hopping everywhere that isn't fucking perfection, Nevada. Seems like um, they're hopping everywhere that's like not populated. Like, why do these things not go into populated areas if all they want is people? I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, again, this one's okay. Uh, really, from like just like five, it's healthier with micro gross at least committing to the part and not hamming it up for us, which is nice. Well, one left 2020 Tremors Shrieker Island. I literally just watched this one today, and wow. Uh, they at least did not bring Jamie Kennedy back. Instead, we got the even more talented John Heder, Heater. How do you say this? Napoleon Dynamite. John Heater, really? Yes. God. And, uh, you know, thankfully, Richard Brake shows up and does a good job. So it was actually nice not just having Michael Gross be the only one doing it. So Richard Brake shows up, and he does Good job. I actually liked him, but he always is good in whatever he's in. So, um, but this pretty much could have been like a Jurassic Park film because, like, the whole plot is that this gate, this hunter, Richard Brake, has an island that he populated with graboids somehow. It's never explained. He just populated it with graboids so he'd go hunt them for sport. And it's starting to get contained outside of the island. One figured out how to swim to the other island and become a monster like graboid, like a big one. And yeah, um, admittedly, I started zoning out towards the end. And by the time I came back in, apparently, spoiler alert for everyone, but I feel like no one's really going to watch this movie unless you're a diehard Tremors fan. Uh, they kill off Michael Gross's character. Really? Yes. He sacrifices himself to take out the big one. Hmm. So, I guess seven was the magic number for Michael Gross. I guess he's talked about their potential being an eight film but i'm like why would i want to i was like the only reason i kept going was because of you why would i watch anything if you're now gone i was like unless they unless we finally get something that has kevin bacon's character like he's been trying to do i i don't i don't want it it's gonna be michael gross's twin brother kurt gummer who now takes up his brother's mantle or something like that i guarantee you or like yeah yeah, some kind of half human half graboid clone or some crazy shit they're they'll find a way <laughs> they're gonna alien resurrection him <laughs> oh so they tried to make a series in 2003 that starred michael gross and featured actors like dean norris and christopher lloyd but it was canceled after 13 episodes and they tried it again in 2018 this time with original star kevin bacon but that never made it past the pilot stage so. i actually i actually also watched the original series I went all in, right? I've gone all in on the Tremors. The show was actually not bad. I remember being a kid enjoying it. It was like essentially like the idea was that Bert wouldn't shut up about Graboids. 
And it was uh, like the town didn't believe him at first, but then like they come back and now it's like, oh shit, they're real. And anytime it was like almost like a monster of the week with grab boys, like something bad would happen with a grab boy and Bert would get called in and go take care of it. And then the government would like pop up occasionally and be like, Hey, we want, we want a piece of the pie on this grab boy thing. And he'd be like, fuck off. It was interesting enough. And it was a good way to continue the series. But again, it being sci-fi. Yeah. It lasted the one season went away. I think it's become more of a cult show. Like it's almost, it's almost, I think the only other part of Tremors that's gaining like a cult following, like the first film has, um, <laughs> As far as the Kevin Bacon pilot, that just makes me mad because, like, again, I not to keep saying it, but he was so interested in finally coming back and revisiting this character. I remember seeing the trailer for it, and it looked good. And I was like, dude, this will be awesome. Like, this is a really cool way to continue this franchise. And sci-fi passed it up. And uh, I at this, I it makes me mad. Like, look, just take it to the streamers. I guarantee. Well, actually, no, they did. Prime passed it up. So Prime fucked up and passed it up, and then Sci-Fi did the same thing. Well, maybe you know, maybe Shutter will take a look at it. Maybe I hope. I I really want this to to happen while they're still interested in doing it. <clears throat> Tremors. I don't. I, I I don't like that the future of this franchise is tied so much to Sci-Fi Channel. <laughs> That's why this can't work because. They suck. Just straight I, up. I've watched a couple of their films that because they've been kind of taking a piece of that pie on the whole like Halloween 20, I think 2018 gig. Uh, they did Critters Attacks or Returns. I forget what it was called. I watched it with Josh actually, and it was all right. Um, then they did uh, Leprechaun Returns. I do remember the title of that one. It was also all right. They, for some reason, did a Banana Splits horror movie. That was all right, and they are currently working on a fucking Slumber Party Massacre remake. Like they're, I don't, they they're doing a really weird brand of like horror, and yeah. There were five Sharknado movies, right? Yes. Yeah, that's all I need to know about Sci-Fi Channel. Fuck. Yeah, it's literally like movies like that, and then them bringing back old properties but it always just being okay like better than when i have to sit than when i've sat through like a shark data movie but still not the greatest thing ever Ugh. well i give tremors an eight it's an enjoyable black comedy that i thought could have benefited from an r rating but it doesn't hurt the film it's a fun movie okay uh i gave it a 10 this really it's very it holds a special place in my heart i love this film to death I, I see what you're saying with the R rating, but I am actually this is a case where I'm actually glad it went with the PG 13 route. And we have another film to add to like a gateway horror type of thing that the whole family can enjoy. Yeah, that's cool. I yeah, it's always nice to have a 10 come on this show for any of us. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for listening, everyone. Next week is uncharted territory for me as Josh and I venture into a Shudder exclusive that arrived on the service this past January. Two kids resurrect an alien overlord and take control over him, inadvertently sparking an intergalactic war that could consume their neighborhood and their planet. Tune in next week as we take on Psycho Gorman, an oddball-looking film that has been getting consistently great reviews across the board. Should be fun. I don't think we use Shudder enough, so it's always nice to throw some love towards Shudder's original movies. Yeah, especially because they've been doing a real good job during the pandemic of pumping them out or acquiring films and getting them on the service to see. I want to say pumping them out. They do a really good job acquiring the festival stuff and putting it on the service so it gets out there more. Well, wife's, you know, I haven't watched a lot of them, but from what I have seen, I have enjoyed them for the most part. Host, I liked. Anything for Jackson, I liked. Scare Me, I mostly liked. So um, Psycho Gorman's been one of those that I've heard a lot about. And uh, yeah, Josh picked this one. So uh, buckle up. Yeah, I watched it uh, on Friday and really enjoyed it. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, that'll be cool. Be sure to check out The Truman Show on Oscar Sunday and a number of films on Monday's sneak preview, including Space Jam 2, Pig, and Fear Street 3, among others. So big one next Monday. Uh, Until then... 
If giant worms attack your small town, huddle behind the doomsday prepper. Maybe it's a good thing he's so paranoid. See you next Wednesday and keep watching movies.